Hey, glad you can make it. And welcome to the Employee Cycle Podcast, where we talk to HR innovators, thought leaders, and even some disruptors about the latest in HR trends, HR tech, and you guessed it, HR data. Well, you've heard enough of me talking. Now let's start the show, 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 show. Hey, hey, and welcome back to the Employee Cycle Podcast. I'm your host, Bruce Marable, CEO of Employee Cycle. And you know us. We're that super user-friendly, happy that we can solve your HR reporting problem, HR analytics dashboard. That's right. We know that a lot of you HR and people leaders out there are always scratching your head thinking, why do I need to go through this manual, painful, tedious, time-consuming process of pulling spreadsheets from all my different HR systems and trying to make sense of it? Well, look no further. That's why we created Employee Cycle. An HR analytics dashboard with pre-built connectors to the most popular HR systems you're all using so you can easily pull all your data together in one place to view, share, track, and analyze. If you want to learn more, please go to EmployeeCycle.com. Check us out. would love to partner and explore how we can help you automate your HR reporting and analytics process. But that's enough about me and our company because today we have an awesome guest. So please help me welcome to the show, Abby Hamilton. She's the Chief People Officer at Live Intent. And today we're discussing how can companies better support working parents. Abby, welcome to the podcast. Abby, welcome! Thank you so much, Bruce. It's actually my honor and great privilege to be here. I really appreciate it. Awesome. And like I've said on previous episodes, for $5 a pop, if you would like to get that intro every time you get on a Zoom call, I would be happy to show up and do that just for you. All right. So, Abby, before we get into the topic, we're going to kick this show off the best way we know how, and that's by asking you, how did you end up in the wonderful world of HR? Oh, oh Bruce, I think like many, it was an accident, but a, a really happy accident And that I came out of college not really knowing what I wanted to do and not prepared for what real life was going to to be like. And I was interviewing for jobs. I'll date myself a little bit, but I was applying to jobs from the Sunday newspaper because that's where all the good jobs were. And I was interviewing with Enterprise Rent-A-Car for the management development um, program. And I got a call from a recruiter and we were chatting and she owned a staffing agency and asked me if I ever thought about being a recruiter myself. And I replied to her and said, I haven't, but I think a few of you have called me before. Truly, I I said that to her. And (laughs) she invited me to come meet her for lunch the next day. And we chatted and then invited me to come and see the the agency and see the individuals that work there and listen a little bit and see if it'd be something of interest to me. So I shadowed again the following day. And I had two offers. I, I got the offer from Enterprise and I got the offer to recruit. And what made the decision is she was talking to me about commissions and making money. And I thought, wait, all I have to do is work hard and talk on the phone all day and I'll make money. It was such a no-brainer to me at the time. Little did I know I was getting into so much more than that. But 
happily signed up for it and haven't looked back since then. My career has continued to progress and shifted from recruiting to HR. And now I'm the chief people officer and lead all of talent at Live Intent from recruiting to standard HR to learning and development. So soup to nuts. So I was very lucky to find my passion early on in my career. That's awesome. And the HR and people world is so much better that that rental car industry cannot hold you to it. (laughs) (laughs) It was a good choice. It was a good choice. Awesome. So, Abby, today we're talking about how can companies better support working parents. And this, to some, may be controversial. To some, may be a no-brainer. We're seeing so many people on this very wide spectrum of how companies can support working parents, especially if you're remote or you're hybrid and, or maybe the culture isn't to the point where most people have kids so that you might not be providing those types of benefits. I would love to just start high level discussing and exploring what's the overarching theme and trend of your workplace culture that needs to be in place to even support identify and support working parents in the first place? Yeah, to me, it all starts from belief at the top. And to rewind, especially being a a working mother, there are other executives on the team that are parents, though they all happen to be fathers. And with being a working mother, I, I felt a little bit of added pressure, especially going into the pandemic. My kids were home. I was trying to get my son into school during the day and sign on to these Zoom links and balance it all. And prior to the pandemic, I didn't talk about my kids at work because I felt that would limit my career. If people saw me as a mom, they would think that, well, she's got to end her day and run home and take care of her kids and her kids are going to be her priority. And it's true. My kids, my family are absolutely my priority. However, I can do both. But I felt this weight to not talk about my kids, to not be seen at that mom at work because it'd be less professional. Then fast forward, as I highlighted the pandemic and having my kids at home, and it was very, very early on, we were hosting a town hall meeting, which is a company hall meeting we have every other Tuesday. And I was speaking and my son came in and was having one of those moments where he was not letting up until mommy paid attention. And so he joined the company hall meeting in the middle of me speaking. And I finished my part and I go back on mute. And internally, I'm horrified. My stomach drops and I'm embarrassed. And what just happened there? But I would tell you the outpouring of love and support I got from so many team members afterwards saying that was so cute. That was so funny. It was great seeing you in that mode made me realize and made me shift and say, I, I am an example now. So what if my mind shifts switches from going, this is the part of me that I can't show at work to this is a part of me I should embrace at work because people are watching me. And if I show this part of who I am and how important this is to me, maybe it humanizes this a little bit. And we are all struggling with many, many things at this point in time, including those parents that suddenly had their kids at home. And can I make a difference? And it really changed my whole mentality of 
being a mother in the workplace, but also how we support other parents through this, no matter what level they were at. I just so happened to be in a position that I could help do something about it. That's awesome. And I'm so impressed and glad that you received such a positive response and feedback that not only made you feel better, but also allowed you to self-identify as an example to be able to help others. There was a lot of great stuff that you just said. And the first thing that I wanted to pull from that is it sounds like you realize that based off of your experience, you can now bring your full self to work. And I hear a lot of people on the podcast talking about their full self. So I just want to dig into that a little bit. It sounded like prior to this, you didn't feel like you can bring your full self to work because as a parent, your full self means that you have children and that's what you would talk about. But now you feel like you can. So tell us about that experience and what's the mental shift that you've made and also how are you helping others to also make that same mental shift to bring their full selves to work? Oh, I love this question because Bruce, you're right. I couldn't bring my full self to work. Being a parent is a full-time job, as anybody with children will share. And that was a piece of me I was holding very private. And it was a really, really important piece to me. And so, yes, that was absolutely a mental shift for me. But that biggest part of that shift is recognizing the influence I could have by being myself at work and how that could empower others to do the same, whatever they were hiding in the shadows. For me, it happened to be me being a mother. And for other people, it may be whatever is happening in their lives in the moment. But being vulnerable and sometimes having my children join calls. I was I was interviewing a, a candidate this week and my younger son joined that call in the middle and I didn't apologize. And that was very different than me of before or even me when I first realized I could have power. I felt the need to apologize for the fact that my home and my my work life had merged and it just so happened in that moment that my children also needed me. And instead, I recognized if I pick them up and let them join the call for a couple of seconds or let them take a drink of my water, they quickly get bored and they leave me alone. They move on. They're done. And that's all it took is they just want a little bit of acknowledgement or attention from me. And that vulnerability, I hope, has really inspired others to continue to do the same and open up similar conversations at work of whatever the, the piece of themselves that they were hiding. They don't need to do that all the time anymore. Because I find this concept of bringing your full self and your whole self to work so interesting. I'm going to go off on a little tangent here. On a prior podcast, someone was talking about radical flexibility, and they were saying that too many companies will say that you can do this thing, but try to put too many guardrails on it, which then suffocates that part of the culture. So for instance, we were talking about unlimited PTO and the guest said, well, a lot of companies will say unlimited PTO, but they really don't mean unlimited PTO. So as we have listeners that are primarily HR leaders, hearing you talk about making sure that your culture promotes bringing your whole self to work, are there any guardrails there? Is there anything that you would say, oh, maybe that's a little taboo and sure that is you because we're all into weird, different things or things that people may perceive to be weird or different or wow, I can't believe I interact with this person. Had I known they did this crazy thing at home, I wouldn't talk to them. So how do you deal with that? 
Yeah, I would say the guardrail is, is this person getting their job done? Regardless of the how they are, they're getting it done. I'm a big believer and proponent in these situations of trusting the individual until they give you a reason to not to. And then talk about that reason and what is there and what is holding them back. So whether it's I pick my son up from school today and that means there's 30 minutes away from my desk, but I more than make that up at another time by getting my work done. Or there's some days where I don't. And that's okay because the key pillars of what I needed to get done today were accomplished. So the guardrail to come back to your question, I would say is, is this person doing the job you've asked them to do? If so, a little bit of flexibility is likely going to make them better at it if you just let them be themselves. Got it. Very concise answer. I like that. So back to the point that you were just making in regards to getting your work done, regardless of how and when and where, as long as you are doing the work and performing at the level you need to, no one else should care about what else you're doing. And so that makes me start thinking more about this whole concept the industry has been talking about around work-life blend, where it's not necessarily balanced, this perfect harmony of you have this life pie chart and then your kids get X percent and then there's an equal percent to working out and then another equal percent to your faith and then equal percent to your social life. But instead, it's more about whatever takes priority at that time wins and you have to figure out what's the most important thing in real time which allows you to feel good about prioritizing either work over maybe family or family over work or whatever your combination of things that you're prioritizing. What do you think about work-life blend? Do you believe in it? Do you think it makes sense? Is it something that's sustainable? Is that a part of your culture? What do you think about that? I love the term blend. Um, And I've heard a lot about work-life harmony, but I really like blend because that is absolutely true. There are shifting priorities in life. And I recognize that I can't be perfect at work and a perfect mom and have a clean house and a home-cooked healthy dinner. Some nights my kids eat chicken nuggets and hot dogs and I go to bed with the dishes in the sink. But that was the best I had that day. And so accepting that not everything is perfect all the time, but there's a blend. And sometimes my intention needs to go to work. And other times my kids need me. And other times I need a clean home for my mental health, whatever that may be. I really am a big endorser of that concept. And it's important for that to be accepted for your own mental health. Otherwise, I would absolutely be harming myself by expecting perfection in all of those areas. It's impossible. Got it. So another thing that I was pulling from one of your previous comments was around looking at the parent being a mother versus a father. And that's actually something that I've never thought about. So I wanted to quickly get some context into your insight around, is is it different? Should HR leaders be thinking that they should try to provide different benefits or perks or treat a working parent who's a mother versus a father differently? And if so, how? I actually like providing the same benefits and flexibility to both. But what I question and want people to call attention to is the biases that exist on a mother versus a father. So a dad or my husband goes to my son's graduation and wow, what a good dad. Look at you showing up. 
And as a mom, it's, well, she's out of work again. Look at her going to take care of her kids. They're these small tweaks and switches. So I, I had a dinner and I was going to go to dinner and someone asked me, well, who's going to take care of your kids tonight? My husband, their dad. Right. But I don't know that my husband has ever been asked who's going to take care of your kids when he's out. It's assumed that I would be there. So there are gender biases that exist and are ingrained in us. So I wouldn't say have different benefits, but catch yourself when and if those things do happen or be a voice for others when you hear things like that being said. You know, I, I find that I learned most of my lessons from movies, TV shows and music. And somehow this scene in the the movie, The Intern, just popped up where the mom wasn't taking her kids to school and the dad was always taking the kid to school. And then finally, when she took her kid to school, they were mom shaming her for finally coming. Oh, look who showed up because you have to work, which which is so crazy. But unfortunately, that's the life and that's the world that we live in. In regards to how companies can better support working parents, when you think about looking at your cohort of parents, let's talk about some type of actionable plan, actionable plan in regards to identifying who's a parent, figuring out a plan to help working parents, and then making that sustainable. Where do you first start? Yeah, so we have a an ERG community called Parents of Live Intent, and they come together. It's a group of parents and caregivers that come and talk about these challenges. And we've actually partnered with a company called Kunik to bring in a coach once a month and help facilitate discussions of what's going on in these parents' minds, whether it be back to school or COVID, or even we had a, an emotional discussion talking about active shooter drills in schools. And how do you talk to your kids about that and what's, what's happening to them? And it's been a really empowering discussion because even with kids at different ages, you see these parents and caregivers really coming together to support each other. There was a new mom in the room that was talking about, you know, getting her child to sleep and and what they can do and watching all the parents jump in and say, Hey, I don't know what's going to work for you, but here's what I tried and worked for me and supporting each other, talking about sending your firstborn to college and that feeling. So we've had a lot of really deep discussions there and support each other and create that sense of community that even if our children are in different stages of life, we've all been through similar type of events and struggles in those different stages. So for us, it's been a really, really great and eye-opening thing. And it's creating this, this network that supports each other within the community of Live Intent. One of the things that I find interesting as we have this conversation about how companies support working parents is that a lot of people will say, well, they would default to companies allowing employees to work from home. But what I think is missing from that conversation in that statement is that a huge population, if not the majority of employees in the U.S., actually work in service-oriented jobs where you can't work from home. And so... My, my question for you and your company, which you have a lot of people that I'm assuming can work from home based off of the work that they're doing, how did you and your team decide whether or not you should be remote, be in person, 
And what percentage of that equation had to do with the amount of working parents that you have at your company? So we've opted to be remote first with offices, smaller office locations to come together and collaborate because we do believe there are times for in-person interaction and there are times that can't be replaced and it's important for bonding. However, with that remote first environment, we didn't just take working parents into account. We took everyone into account. And so we did multiple rounds of surveys to see where people were, where their heads were at, look at productivity, and realize this is something that was important to them and the people that work here, regardless if they were they were parents or not, to have that flexibility. And I can speak for myself being a parent and other parents that did speak up. I now get to see my kids for breakfast. And there are days I get to eat dinner with them. And that was not my standard prior to the pandemic. So it's given me an extra almost two hours with my kids a day on the days that I work from home. And that time is really invaluable. Time is a non-renewable resource and I don't get that time with them back. And I didn't believe it when parents said how quickly this time would go. And now as I look, my kids are now six and three. It really has gone very quickly. And to watch them grow with the blink of an eye and to know that I have a camera roll that has pictures that I've taken versus just pictures that were done by the caregivers of my children that were not me. To stay on this topic of remote work, I don't have kids personally, but if I look at my bucket of friends and colleagues who have children that work, there's one bucket of people who love remote work because they're able to be there with their kids, see all the magical moments of them growing up and be a much more present parent in their child in the child's lives. But then there seems to be this totally other cohort that's very frustrated with the idea of remote work because being in the office was one of the only times when they could actually have consistent adult conversations. It gave them a sense of purpose where they felt like they would get dressed up, go somewhere, but most importantly, as much as they love their kids, they actually wanted space away from them and family and everyone else because they just like having that time where they're doing their thing and what they believe is their life's purpose and mission. So my question for you is, have you experienced both cohorts of that at your company? And if so, how do you deal with both of those what seem to be competing priorities? Oh, absolutely. And within myself, too. So for us, given we do have some office locations, people are welcome to come in and use the office as they want to, even though we're not mandating it. So for myself, I try to get to the office two or three days a week for that balance. There are days I like to be home and, you know, I get that breakfast and dinner I talked about. And then exactly what you explained of putting on shoes, taking off my slippers and putting on real shoes and getting out the door and commuting and having an on and off is important for me and my mental health as well. So if there is a a location where someone can go when and if it's good for them to allow them to do so, great. If not, maybe it's going in out to work at a coffee shop or going to work somewhere else where you can have that time to get out of the house that's, that's healthy too. Because I remember in the midst of the pandemic when it was cold, there were certain days I'd be like, wow, it's Wednesday and I haven't left the house since Sunday. And that can be very 
isolating and lonely. So you really need to be able to do what is best for you and your mental health because only you know what that is and when you need to get get out. So for me, it is the flexibility to do both. Awesome. Abby, I could talk to you about this all day, but we almost we are almost at time, but I do want to leave our audience with one question and it's always my favorite question in every podcast when I remember to ask it. And that is, you've been on multiple podcasts and people have, I'm assuming, have probably asked you the same questions or similar questions. But I would like to ask you, what is the one question that you wish someone have asked you before? Something that maybe you've been super passionate about and you always say, why didn't they ask me this? I wish they would have asked me that. So we're trying to get that exclusive here. So (laughs) what is something that you wish someone would ask you or something that you feel like you've never said before, but you really need to get this out in the world to help HR leaders really figure out how to make sure that their company is best supporting their parents? Oh, goodness. I think what I'd like to get out there, so I'll go in this direction, is that it is okay to get it wrong. It is okay to course correct. It is okay to try new things. I feel for so long, I didn't feel comfortable enough in in my skin and my abilities to do that. And I wish I would have heard out loud a little bit earlier that it's okay to mess up. That is where growth happens. That is where learnings happen. And you'll be better because of it. And to look back at the 16-year-old me that was so unconfident and unsure in the world and scared and say, you got this. Abby, you are so awesome. And thank you so much for being such a great, candid, and most importantly, authentic podcast guest, really keeping it real, you know, bearing your soul on the hair, talking about the things that you thought you got wrong and that how you're course correcting moving forward. So really appreciate you being such an awesome podcast. And thank you for being on the Employee Cycle Show. Thank you. You're amazing. We appreciate you so much. Oh, thank you. Thank you. So with that being said, how can people find you and Live Intent online? Yeah. So best find me on LinkedIn, please. You can find me there at at Abby Hamilton and would love to connect with you all. Awesome. And we'll be sure to include all that contact info in the show notes. So for everyone who enjoyed this episode as much as Abby and I did, please leave us a five-star rating wherever you're going to leave a rating on the internet. We would appreciate it. Also, if you came to this episode because you're either already a huge super fan of Abby or you really resonated with this topic but now you're hungry for more episodes, please subscribe to the Employee Cycle Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all other major podcast platforms. And last but not least, all of you super awesome people and HR leaders out there, please continue to hire, train, and retain the best workforce possible. Thanks. Later, kids.